Today on the Pollinator Podcast, how to not feel dirty in your sales process. So today on the Pollinator Podcast, a lady that used to be horrified of public speaking, but now speaks internationally to service providers all around the world on how to improve their business operations and in particular, their sales processes. And uh, she has a, a history working with uh, attorneys and in consulting groups. And we actually met probably a little over 10 years ago uh, in the, uh, the, the origins of, of sales partners uh, itself. So she's taken a lot of that. We share a lot of the, the same philosophy and a lot of the, the same uh, techniques around that. But she has a, a lot of great things to share today. So Ms. Jessica Selwagon, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited. The thing that I love the most are some of those foundational pieces that I learned, you know, 10, 12 years ago with sales partners. They're the things that actually have helped me grow a multi-million dollar business. So I love that you are still singing the praises of things, singing from the mountaintops and helping service providers and attorneys because I have a business coach and I just know how invaluable your service is. So thank you for doing what you do. We appreciate it. And uh, you know, still four markers and a flip chart. So absolutely. <laughs> there you go. So tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about you know that that journey because you know, you kind of had a, a a different path and even from when we when we originally kind of met uh, there going through a lot of the the same kind of trainings and things and then uh, you know like I mentioned kind of went off and uh, and worked with uh, attorneys for a long time and then um, you know from what what you told me like your your sister kind of pulled you into this business and now you have started and launching it and it's kind of like the in the more you know personal med spa type services. And, um, and you were very successful in doing that and have just kind of been pulled into all kinds of uh, other places to, to come in and, and speak about that. So how, how did that journey progress? So I think from a very early age, my sister and I knew that we were going to be entrepreneurs. Uh, both my parents had their own businesses and they were successful. So as you can imagine, dinner conversations were a little bit different at our house um, than a typical house if the parents are employees. And so I just felt like it was who I was at my core. Um, so I wasn't able to get to Botify without doing ton of things prior to that. And so I think sales partners, as I said, really laid this really, really strong foundation. So I understood that when I got to that business that I was passionate about and that I wanted to build, that these were some foundational pieces that I had to have in place. One of my mentors said to me once that he was kind of flip-flopping from business to business and he was failing. And someone took him out on a boat and said, Joe, are there carpet cleaners that are successful? And Joe was like, well, yeah. And he's like, well, then Joe, carpet cleaning industry isn't broken. You're broken. And I really, you know, internalized that and was like, okay, if I can get into an industry and there are people that are successful and I'm not finding success, it's not about the industry. It's about the lack of processes, foundational pieces, and just understanding how to build a business. And it's the same no matter what you're doing, which I think is quite remarkable. So I did sales partners for whatever reason. That wasn't just going to be my passion long term. And then I ended up working with a gentleman who helped attorneys grow their practices online. An incredible mentor. He, again, kind of added to those foundational pieces that I had. And just one day, my sister was like, can you please quit and join forces? I'm running a med spa. We want to run a business together. Let's do this. And so I just said, I want to build my own dream. I don't want to build someone else's dream. And so it kind of lit a spark under my buns. And I said, I'm going to do this. And I joined forces with my sister. And about three months into that opportunity, uh, we tried to buy that practice from the doctor. And he, again, was remarkable. I've been so fortunate with the mentors in my life. And he just said, girls, like, you can't have my business, but there's enough fat to freeze for us all to win. 
go out there, do your own thing. Don't take my database and rock and roll. Fast forward six and a half years, we've done close to $20 million. We're the number one practice in Arizona and the number four in the nation. And we just love what we do. But more importantly, I love helping other providers also gain success because it's just what kind of fuels my fire and gets me excited. Yeah. Well, I, I think one of the key things that that you mentioned there is the you know, kind of those processes and, and definitely, you know, all the way back to, to you know, sales process or sales partners, everything was about you know, the systems and processes 100%. around and doing that. And, uh, you know, we've all kind of, we all kind of took our own journey in that. And, uh, you know, a lot of us ended up in, in, in different kinds of places and, and kind of having these different niches. But one of the things that I, I really wanted to come back and, and talk to you about because of the perspective of all these different uh, you, kind of different companies, different ventures that you've been involved with, you know, when, you uh, you, you were working with uh, attorneys like that. That's a very kind of special breed and, and a, a certain uh, mentality of folks that go out and, and kind of launch their own business. But then you know, it's kind of it, it's not that much different than somebody who says, all right, I'm going to go and do, you know, cool sculpting or I'm going to have a, uh, you know, this med spa type of thing, because it's ultimately it's still providing a service and yeah. you still have to have those systems and processes in to deliver that service and to, to be able to, to sell that service, which is a lot of times what we uh, experience. And I think the the other key thing that I, I kind of took out of, of just what you were saying is there's so many small business owners in, a, in America, right? And probably all over the world. But nonetheless, there's a lot of uh, small businesses that get started in in America that somebody wasn't necessarily wanting to start a business or had had this idea or a framework about you know businesses is a collection of systems and processes and coming in. They just had a skill set or they had a, a, an ability or a particular knowledge uh, that that they could go and they they know they knew was valuable, right? Because they were doing it for somebody else. Like you said, they were they were kind of building somebody else's dream or kind of being a cog in that wheel. And all of a sudden they get to that that point where it's like, you know what? I can go do this on my own. And you know, where, where I got started down in, in Miami, people used to say like, oh, Miami is one of the most entrepreneurial cities in the, in the nation. And my point was always like, I don't, I don't think it's really entrepreneurial. Like a lot of people think about that. Like it's, it's, a, it's a self-employed town. Uh, like a lot of people, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of people just kind of got fed up with like this idiot and I'm just going to go do it on my own. And so then they go out and like hang up their own shingle or they kind of you know, start their own company. And all of a sudden they realize, Oh, this is a lot more than you know, just doing legal work or or just doing you know the the massage or just doing you know car mechanics or HVAC or whatever it is. Now they realize that they have to to do all of these other things in that that process. And and so I think you were definitely very fortunate having the the parental background and then coming through and kind of seeing all these other models before you launched out on your own. But obviously that's been very very key to your success. So. With that, kind of looking back, and I know what you you talk about, and, and you know, we kind of chatted about a, a lot of, of, of different things that we don't have time to, to talk about all. So you have to come back uh, in the future. But when it gets down into the the, the sales processes, you know, that's something that we, we talk about a lot. And I have other people come on talking about branding and marketing and kind of all the different and, you know, tactics and things out there. But what I tell people all the time is, it doesn't matter how good your marketing is. It doesn't matter how much you're spending on marketing. You know, your marketing company, your marketing in-house staff, whatever it is, they can be delivering the most qualified leads on the planet to you on a silver platter. And if you don't have the right intake and sales processes 
to be able to convert those leads into paying clients, your return on marketing and sales is zero. Right. And so what are, what are some of the things that, that you see that you've been able to help and coach other people with kind of in these service industries uh, on in terms of, of mindset or technique or, or whatever it is to, to be able to improve those processes? What's the most common things that you see get in the way? And I think the word mindset, you know, that you just hit on is so key. It's really shifting that paradigm, you know, on that flip chart, we say you're not dirty. And one of the visceral reactions that I think a lot of service providers have, particularly doctors or attorneys or accountants, is that they have this gift, they have this skill set, they know that they can solve a problem, but they want to detach that from actually getting people to say, oh, I'm going to get over whatever hurdle I have, and I'm going to sign up. And they truly believe that selling is a dirty word or that it's a bad thing or that it's manipulative. And I just think people conjure up this image in their mind of what a salesperson is. But at the end of the day, I always ask people, whether you're an attorney, you cut hair, you're an injector, you're a med spa owner. It's like, do you have a service or a product that you believe offers a solution and can change a life? And you better be saying yes to that question because otherwise you shouldn't be in business. Do you think that you are uniquely qualified to offer that service or product? And you also be better, better be answering yes. And then lastly, my thing is, if you believe yes to those two things, you need to do everything in your power to get that person to say yes to you, because otherwise you relegate them to either no action, which in the legal world can be very bad, right? You don't want people sitting on their laurels and not taking action. Maybe you relegate them to legal zoom, which is absolutely not what you want to do or a less qualified attorney. And so from my perspective, it is actually your obligation. If you know that you're good and that you know that you offer a great service, that you coach people, that you talk to them, that you educate them and you get them over that finish line because you have a very, very valuable skill set, and you want to offer that solution to the person. So for me, it's just reframing that and stop having the belief that, oh, I, I just don't want to sell. Because guess what? If you build it, they will not come. You've yeah. got to build it. You've got to shout it from the mountaintop. You have to have those processes and those systems, and you have to educate people so that they know who you are, what you do, and why they should link up with you in terms of you know a business deal. Yeah, and I mean, we could we could unpack this for probably just about an hour. <laughs> Um, forever, right? Kind of talking about that, that mindset. And, you know, what I, I definitely run into that a lot. I've had to deal with that myself at, you know, at some, uh, at some stage and, you know, there, there's so many kind of like sub genres of that. And, you know, sometimes it is, sometimes it's just like the ego and entitlement, like, mm -hmm. of, especially with the kind of the learned professionals, like, oh, I went to all this school. I have all this, this skill set. you know, I spent all this time and, you know, they end up just trying to sell on egos like, oh, look at all my diplomas or, you know, yeah. look at, at all this stuff that I know. And they, they it's like they're entitled to the sale. And then they get frustrated afterwards when people are like, oh, all right, no. And then the, the another thing that can kind of come out of that, right, it's the, the curse of knowledge. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times people get into, you know, consultations and uh, they're, they're they spend too much time trying to, to jump in and solve the, the problem immediately right there in the, the question. And they haven't answered the questions that are most important for their prospective client to, to actually make the decision to hire them in the first place. Right. If I just show you how much I know, or if I just show you, or I you know, kind of give you the answer to this problem, then you're going to, to hire me. And it's a, that's a different question 
that 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 people don't yet have. They have other questions ahead of that light. Can I trust you? Do I actually believe this can work? Do I believe it can work for me? And so so many times the service providers just kind of get stuck into, well, this is like every, I've done this many times before. Like, yeah, you just need to, to, to trust me and, and and have that that process. And, you know, it 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 really becomes something that that gets in that way of, of people doing that. And I think the I, I, I tend to believe just from my own experience working with folks is that a lot of times they feel that you know, dirty, right? Because they've been in those situations before, mm-hmm. right? They, they have been in sales situations where it has been manipulative or it pressure, has been right? high pressure. Yeah. And they, they felt that just kind of icky feeling and, and they don't want to do that to, to other people. And so being able to, to separate those two concepts of you're helping somebody make a decision that is going to, to be good for them or not versus all right, you're kind of manipulating and forcing somebody into making, making a decision that's not going to be in their best interest or that they will regret later. And I, with just with that, I mean, it, it kind of is reassuring that, that people don't want to do that, but then they get frustrated and they're not able to, to offer their service to, to the most people that they could. Yeah. And there's a few things that you said there and, you know, again, I have mentors and they've given me these salient points. And I'm just like, oh, he's saying all these things and I love them. Um, so first and foremost, you know, something, a statement that I love is that a confused mind does nothing. And so attorneys are really, really smart, right? They've honed their craft, their book smart. They got it. They, they got this smart so that nobody's questioning that. And so what often can happen is that, again, they want to showcase whether it's ego or their prestige or their designations or the initials behind their name. And so they show up and throw up. But when you give so much information to a prospective client, they are confused and they can't navigate. And so what they do is they pump the brakes and they say, okay, I need to go unpack this stuff at home. And what you don't want to happen, and it doesn't matter if it's selling an attorney or if it's in a med spa or any other industry, if you're doing a consult, the moment that someone walks out the door because they need to think about it, it is tremendously difficult to get them to come back and do business with you. Um, First and foremost, because there's a peanut gallery out there and they're going to talk themselves out of it. Secondly, because now you're going to have to follow up and nobody wants to follow up five, six, seven, eight times, even though you should. So the best opportunity you have to sell is in that moment. And I think because attorneys are so book smart, they try and sell on logic. But what we have to remember is every human being on the planet buys emotionally and justifies logically. They are not there about the divorce or the bankruptcy or the injury or the X, Y, Z. They are literally there because they have a pain point that has compelled them to take the next step. And that's what the attorney or the consultant needs to draw out of that person. Because whenever you present that solution, there's a price tag to it and nobody wants to pay legal fees. And so as the consultant or the attorney, you have to be willing to bring back and draw back that emotion so that person can buy emotionally, but then justify logically with the pieces that you've given them. And if you don't have a clear process for that and you're winging it, you're just going to see people walk out that door, hit you with objections, and you're not going to grow your practice. Well, and that's that's such a key point to, to, to drive home and to get people to, to remember. Like, it's not about you and the process that you're going to, to take. And I have to tell my attorney clients this all the time, like, Yes, I understand that these three people are coming in for uh, a, a divorce and ultimately the same process is, is what you're going to, to follow and you've got to collect information and you're going to file it and blah, 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 blah. 
But to those three people, their situation is completely totally unique. different. And the, the value of what they're trying to, to get is completely different in that. And, and you know, this, this person needs a, a divorce for, for one reason. This person, they need a divorce and, you know, in their mind for some completely reason. And you have to be able to go in and validate that feeling and understand that perspective to understand the value that they're actually seeking so that you can actually show that the value that they're going to receive by going through this process is greater than the fee that you're going to, to charge them to do it in the time and energy that it's going to take them to, to go through that process as well. And that's not, you know, that's not a law, that's accounting that, you know, the you're okay. back. somebody comes and, and calls up the air conditioning company, not because they want a new air conditioning unit, <laughs> most likely because their air, condition, air conditioner has already broken or is about to broken or uh, break or, or, or it's making funny noise and it's just not cooling and they're hot. And, you know, they, it may be that they just need to come in and like, I'm just not comfortable. I'm working from home, you know, having to do all this. Or, you know, maybe some guy is just willing to, to, to do it and need to get it because he's tired of, of hearing his wife complain or, you know, his kids are have to be home for the summer now and like doesn't want him to go to that. It could be all of those reasons. And until you, you hone in on that and people know that you understand their problem and why it's a problem for them and the outcome that they ultimately want. You can't make a logical explanation of all this other stuff that reconciles that, that issue that they're feeling. And that's, that's a huge thing that I think people miss so often in, in just understanding like that emotion first. And if you, if you resonate with that, now you can provide all the, the logical reasoning for them to be able to justify it. And it's about putting listening ears on, right? And I catch myself doing this all the time. Like you're saying something, I'm like, oh, I want to jump in. I want to, I have something, but it's like, hey, open my heart, quiet my mind and listen to what Will's saying or the prospective client is saying, because you can glean some insight. And I think another you know, thing that kind of bifurcates people is people either move towards pleasure or away from pain. And one of the things that I see service providers do all the time is they have their talk track and they just keep drilling it into that prospective client's brain, but they could be missing the mark. So for example, maybe for with cool sculpting, right? Maybe somebody is sick of looking in the mirror and literally feeling fat and hating how they look and how they look in pictures and they don't want to be in front of people speaking or interacting with coworkers or going to reunions, but you also have people who are getting ready for a wedding or going to on a vacation or who, you know, are going to some big show and they want to look great. And those emotional drivers have to be phrased so differently. And most salespeople don't listen. They just have their talk track and they steamroll and they keep it the exact same who's ever in front of them. And then they wonder why, Hey, some days I'm on fire and everyone's buying. And some days I literally can't get anybody to connect with me and can't move the needle in their decision-making process. Yeah. And, you know, for some of these, for like, for some of the attorneys that I worked with, it's like, you know, it's like, it's almost like they're anxious to get out of the, you know, out of the, the consultation room or out of the conference mm-hmm. room. I'm like, yeah, no kidding. Like you, you just treated them like they were in a deposition. deposition. <laughs> right. And like, you're just like asking them all these questions and saying all this legal stuff and, and, and they're uncomfortable. So yeah. they want to get out. They're moving away from that pain of just being around you. So let's change that around uh, a little bit. And I just want to leave, uh, not leave, but this story was probably one of the most impactful experiences I had um, when I worked with attorneys. So we were tasked to fly out um, to a practice in Alabama and just sit and listen to the intake people, right? Big firm taking lots of calls um, and they were in PI, so personal injury. 
And I was sitting next to a woman and it was probably the 15th call she took for that day. And she answered. And the woman on the phone was a grandma. And she said, my son got hit by a Pepsi truck and lost his arm. For me hearing this, this is like, oh my gosh, gut-wrenching opportunity to have empathy, build rapport. The next question out of the woman's mouth was on that next little line of the intake form. And she said, which arm? I was blown away. I was like, are, like, how have you come to this place where you literally step over something that monumental and just go to the next question on the intake form? And I think that's to your point, right? It's like, oh, just get through these and check them off and say all my information and get the salient points and then get done with this. And it was a massive missed opportunity because she just did not connect with that grandma at all. And it would have been so easy. Like, and it's not like you had to sit there and, and, and take it. I, I know, you know, and, you know, we're kind of picking on the attorneys today, but you know, it's true in a lot of other, other things, but oh, like yeah. people, people, and I have to remind them, like, they're not coming to you because they want to go to court or, you know, they're mm-hmm. looking for, they're, they're coming to you because they are in pain and they are looking yeah. for an advocate at the end of the day, they're looking for somebody on their team to go out there and to, to do some things that they, they can't do. But if they don't feel like you're actually on their team, and you're, it's just like this very clinical thing, like they're, they're, they're not going to be comfortable moving forward. They're probably going to go and call somebody else. Like, even if they do go through it, like, uh, and, you know, Simon Sinek talks about like the, the power of a handshake sometimes, like mm. that, that just kind of primal level of connection that if people go through with a business transaction without just having that level of connection, they may go through with it, but they'll never feel really comfortable with it. And it, it's so true on all of these other things. Like if you don't understand that people are coming to you in a level of pain or discomfort yeah, it, with some kind of desire, you're not going to, you're not going to resonate with them and they're not going to feel comfortable about moving forward. They'll find, he, they'll find some other logical reason. So like you say, pump the brakes get out of it, yeah. get out of there or to go talk to somebody else. And people remember what, how you make them feel not what you do or say. So having worked with attorneys, one of the first things that we did um, at Botify is that we got rid of that consult table because it felt very adversarial, right? I'm sitting over here. You're sitting over here. I'm trying to give you, I'm trying to get, give, get. And it just felt like this back and forth. And so we made it a much more like a conference room without a table in the center. So we could just be knee to knee, toe to toe and just be in that same room with them in that same space. And it's also about elevating the experience, right? I mean, when someone washed the door, are you offering them coffee, tea, or water? Are you sending them a text message to say, Hey, my building's a little bit difficult to find. And I want to make it easy for you to do this because guess what? From their perspective, an attorney is attorney. They don't know who's a good attorney and who's a bad attorney. So you have to educate them and you have to give them a reason that when they walk through your door, they feel a palpable difference engaging with you versus any other attorney. Because if not, it just comes down to price. And if you become a commodity, guess what? There's always some bonehead down the street who's willing to sell it for less than you are. And so you have to elevate that experience because people will pay more for that. They feel that comfort. They want to do business with people they know, like, and trust. And those are the little things that sometimes when you're really, really good at being an attorney or a hairstylist, you forget about those other components that can actually lift up your business and make you much more successful. Well, I mean, yeah, I was just telling somebody yesterday, like, it, it kind of came up. I think somebody was talking about like Chick-fil-A or something like that. And someone's like, Oh, I don't get it. It's just a sandwich. Like, no, it's not. 
No. Not like Starbucks isn't just a cup of coffee. Nobody goes into Starbucks to pay five dollars because it's the greatest cup of coffee in the in the world. Like yeah. it's it's good coffee, but it's that space, it's that experience. Yes. Schultz called it the transitional experience between home and work, and it provided that. That's the service. That's the need that people were actually getting in Starbucks, not a caffeine fix. They could you know they could go down to to, to Dunkin' Donuts and get or exactly. drive through the McDonald's yeah. uh, you know drive through. They wanted that, that type of experience. So I think that's, that's, it's so, so relevant. And I think no matter where someone is in their business journey, whether they're a brand new solopreneur or they're with a big firm or they've been successful for years is really taking off your business owner hat and putting on the hat of a prospective client. My sister and I were very, very blessed in the fact that we got to do that prior to opening Botify. We literally got to sit down and say, who do we want to be when those doors open? And I think that is a huge misstep that a lot of practices don't take. But if you just take a step back and say, what experience would I want to have? You know, taking off the guise of, oh, I know all this and I know the answers, but I am scared. I am petrified. I'm frightened. I don't know what's going to happen in this legal situation. How would you want to be treated? What would you want that experience to look like so that you would move forward? And I think it's an invaluable experience because there's little things that you can do that totally change it. And it's not revolutionary. Melissa and I have always said we've mastered the mundane. It is embarrassing how few things that we do, but because other businesses aren't willing to do them, we soar above the rest. And it's the same in any industry. Yeah. Well, I I wanted to to make sure we got to, to one of the things, which is kind of at the more at the end of the, the kind of the, the consultation or the, the sales process. And it's one of those things that that a lot of people you know, they're not really trained to do, or this is, this is where kind of the, the you know, that fear of you know, being manipulative and, and all these things kind of come in and that's in handling objections. So like you say, you know, if people feel uncomfortable or, or whatnot, or they, they, they're just used to pumping the brakes or they don't want to make a decision right now, you know, they throw out a lot of these objections. Yeah. So, you know, how, how can we handle those in a, in a, in a tactful, in an ethical way and, and not be gross, not be dirty like uh, so many people fear being. I think first and foremost, if you are doing a lot of consultations and you're getting a ton of objections, something is broken in your process, right? The worst time to handle objection is when you presented the investment because now it's like backtracking and it's really hard, right? So something at Botify that we do is we always ask up front, do you have any concerns or questions or hesitations about moving forward? That works for us because then we can kind of get what those potential snafus are up front. And then we have the next 45 minutes to kind of address those. But of course, you're going to get hit with objections, as do we. And I think first and foremost, understanding high emotion, low intelligence, right? We learn this at sales partners. You know that if somebody hits you with an objection and you're not well versed in how to handle it, well, there goes your brain. And all of a sudden you're flustered. You just kind of start spewing stuff. Or the person leaves and 10 minutes later, you're like, man, I really had a perfect response to that objection. So, you know, in sales partners fashion, they always said, acknowledge the objection does not mean you're agreeing with the person. It simply means I hear you. And then you just ask an open-ended question so that the ball is back in that person's court, right? You have a solution. They have a problem. They want the solution and they just need to be nudged so that they can get over that finish line. And so I think the role-playing and the practicing and literally scripting out the top 10 objections, they're always the same, but get really, really well-versed in that. So when someone hits you with one of those, you acknowledge, you ask a question, and then you just keep going. Yeah. Well, so 
you know, we, we, again, that's another topic. We could probably go through another, another half hour episode just on, on that. But when somebody is looking like, you know, a lot of folks come to the realizations like, all right, I, I am doing something wrong or there's something broken in my process, or, you know, I, I just don't know how to, to, to script out the right kind of questions, you know, for objections, you know, there are lots of places. There are lots of people that, that offer services. There, you know, there are those that get very niche and focus on certain industries. There are folks that do things a little bit more generally like we do, but you know, in, in your experience kind of on both sides of, uh, of that, that process, like what should people be looking out for if they, if they go to try and hire someone to come in and help them with their sales processes because there is a lot of junk and mess yeah. out in the market and, and people can get caught up in, in, in paying a bunch of money to do something that they never actually implement because they get into it. And then all of a sudden it's like, this is just, this, no, no, it's just not me. Like, it makes me feel dirty. Like, I'm not going to do that. So what, what would you recommend to, to folks in some things to kind of ask or be clear on before they try to engage folks in that? So I think one of the best things for me um, is, you know, there's this, I think it's probably a flip chart again um, that a mentor taught me, but you know, there's these four quadrants and one of the quadrants is unconsciously incompetent, meaning you don't know what you don't know, you know, and then you kind of move through these other quadrants and you're consciously incompetent, then you're consciously competent, and then you're unconsciously competent. And we've all met those people who are unconsciously competent for whatever reason, they just have a gift of sales. They have gift of basketball. They have a gift of X, Y, Z, and they can just do it flawlessly without ever thinking. I think one of the biggest lessons that I learned is if you are one of those people, sometimes you're not a great teacher because you don't understand why you're good at it. You're just good at it. And so what I see a lot in um, med spas and just other service providers is they'll take the top salesperson who has no idea why they're good. And then they try and get them to parlay and disseminate that information to other people. And the other people are probably unconsciously incompetent or consciously incompetent. And so they're not picking up on that process. So I think if you are someone who's, hey, I know that I'm not great at sales, but you still have a basic understanding of what works and what doesn't work. And you have to work in concert with whoever you hire. I think people want to hire people and they just want to give it away right? They don't want to have anything to do with it. They don't want their hand to be held. They just want to hire someone and say, oh, will you just create this amazing process for me? My hands are off and it's going to be remarkable. That's not going to work. You have to build it together. And this is where, you know, as you said, sometimes the attorneys or service providers, they just want to do their gift. They don't want to do the business stuff, but guess what? If you don't get those things right from the get-go, you are going to be tied to that quote job for the rest of your life. Yeah. And so I think, you know, working with someone who not only has a track record, but who's willing to sit down and have an open conversation with you and figure out how do we take the, you know, consciously incompetent to the unconsciously competent. And so that way you or anybody else in your practice, when they are given this consultation process, they have the same close ratio. If they don't, that means that your process is broken. And breaking it down to that process. That yeah. Easily you know, easily, easily disseminated like that and, and taught. I think that is such a, a key point because there's plenty of folks out there that they're just, you know, they trust the process, right. And they'll, they'll come in and just kind of like hit people over the head with that. And they're just like, shut up. This is, you know, they're like, just trust me, look at my track record. This is it. But if they're not willing to, to come in and break it down step-by-step step so that, that you can internalize it and your team yeah. can internalize it, 
that is that, is, that knowledge. Yeah. yeah. And something so, I love about you is you're a teacher. And what we know about most people is they care about the why, right? If I look at you and I say, Will, you have to follow up with um, any, you know, person who didn't buy seven times, huge amounts of resistance. Yeah. But if I come to you and I say, hey, I'm going to have you follow up seven times. And this is why we do it, because the average person needs to be followed up with five times. And most salespeople only do it once. And I spent $75 to get that phone to ring. And I think pulling back that curtain and having that transparency with your entire team is such a great thing to do for people. And people just don't want to do it. But yeah. if you understand the why, and so having or bringing someone in, and then again, they just don't build it for you. They tell you what they're doing and why they're doing. So that skill set is transferred and you understand because then you're going to do it in that consult. You're not just going to default to your old, you know, this is what I typically do because you understand and you've connected those dots and someone's helped you connect those dots. And then when you see your success gain, then you're sold, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah, you yeah. love it. And then you're like, good, this is my new eat, live, sleep, and breathe it. People need a purpose. Yeah, you know, there's so much. We could say a, a lot more than that, but I know we've got mm-hmm. to get on to the, the the rest of our day. So, thank you again so much for for being yeah. here, and you know, for for anybody that wanted to, to reach out to you, but you know, specifically, you've been doing the the cool sculpting and that, and and helping other um, you know practices that have incorporated that in to to be successful. You know, if anybody wanted to get on con- in contact with you, what's the best way for them to do that? So it's my name, Jessica at thebotify.com. But please get a coach. I have a coach, Love Will. I know that's a little plug for him, but it doesn't matter how successful you are. You have got to have someone on your team that has an outside perspective and that can help you, you know, kind of get over those blind spots that you might have and grow your practice more successfully. So thanks for all you do, as I said. All right. Thank you, Jessica. And I hope you can take uh, all of these tips, all of this great knowledge that Jessica has provided us today and go get your hands dirty with it to go your <laughs> Be well. Awesome. Be well.